This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner with Somewhere Off the Coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh... You know, this is this is the best because the Olympics are finally here. We've been waiting for it. And I'm watching sports that I never watch ever. You know what I mean? I'm watching gymnastics, getting all into it. I'm watching skeet shooting. And, and I kind of had the realization that this is probably how everybody else in the world feels about track and field. It's like the, the one time every four years that they watch track and field. So it's like I'm having the opposite moment of them. But, yeah, I came to that realization. I'm feeling good. The Olympics are here. Let's go. Life, it just – summer just feels better when the Olympics are on. So, I agree. And, as always, at the House of Sav, we got a broken Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Listen, if you're going to break your ankle, now is the best time to do it's it. true. there is just – I mean, there's a few weeks throughout the year if you have, like, a great golf tournament on. But nothing's this long, right, without breaks. It's just two weeks straight of Olympic action. I'm absolutely loving it. And like Mike said, I'm getting into the random ass sports. It's been a lot of fun. I kind of like that track is not the first week. It's a nice little warm-up, little appetizer before the main course comes in the second week of the Olympics. We get all these, like, you know, I'm watching archery and, and just, like, the rifle shooting and the, and the biking, and it's fantastic. I'm loving it. Perfect time to break an ankle. Trent, do you, do you think we just weren't going to bring up the Bryson DeChambeau hat or, or what? <laughs> well... <laughs> First off, I look fantastic in it. Uh, second off, I was like, I know we're talking gambling. Steve showed up last week with his, uh, his coat on. He was smoking a cigar inside of his house. I absolutely loved it. So I was wearing this earlier today, and I thought, why, why take this off before the podcast? It kind of makes me look like, like an old-school bookie maybe in Southeast sometime in the 70s. That's kind of the look I'm going for. Like or just Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trey, you're right. You're right. The uh... – if you're going to destroy your leg and destroy your running career, now's the time to do it. So you have time to sit back and watch all the sports. I will say, though, I, I am going to disagree with you. Like, th- having to wait until week two for track and field has been really bad for me because I just keep thinking of new bets I want to make. Um, I live, like, 10 minutes south of the New Hampshire border, so I got to drive up to New Hampshire every time I want to make a bet. So, like, you know, a, a bet will pop up. It will be available on DraftKings, and I'll be like, I, I got to get this before the odds change. And I'll get in my car. I'll drive 20 minutes up to New Hampshire. I'll sit in there. There's a little parking lot right over the border where everybody in Massachusetts goes to, to park and place their bets. And so I sit there, and there's like three or four other people in there doing the same thing as me. Um, but it's just it's getting to the point where I just need the track and field to start because I'm so excited for it. I'm so excited to take down the house like we've been talking about for the past – three weeks that it's 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 getting bad from it's getting bad for my bank account let's just put it that way like i need some things to go my way or it's going to be a really really bad august steve i i 
you said, and I, I feel like we're missing out on a, a business opportunity here in that parking lot just over the New Hampshire border. Like, I feel like we should be selling, you know, like snacks and waters and I don't know, what are things that gamblers like? Like, we should have some kind of cigarettes. kiosk in this. Yeah, <laughs> we should we in should the, set up this, a booth, a kino. We should have some kino going in the some parking scratchies. lot. Maybe. We can resell scratchies. scratchies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, should, we should set up a booth and market it like the old school, like call-in hotlines for gambling. Like, yes, you want track yes, picks? 100%. We got track picks. You know, it's a, it's only... You know, twenty five dollars a pick. We got we got the pick. right, right. Yeah, who who's the the guy who give the college guy who gives out like the five star picks and stuff like that? What's that guy's name? Oh, Never wow. gonna remember. But we could be that guy. We could like mark. We could be like the Stu Finer screaming in the parking lot, like <laughs> we got your picks, we got your winners. You know what I mean? Like we, we yeah. that that could be our thing. <laughs> Brad Powers. Brad Powers. That's the guy. Brad yeah, Powers we could, stinks. He stinks. <laughs> Cost me so much money last college football season. But uh, anyways, yeah, no. So I, <laughs> I, I, I was counting the units I have going and the amount of action I have out there, and uh, it's a lot. It's a lot, and it, it's one of those things where it's like every time I go to like place another bet, it's like, well, I gotta toss another three units on Ryan Krauser because like that's just it's free money, right? It's it's like I can't. I can't put enough money on Ryan Krauser. I know we we've talked about that a whole bunch already and we're going to talk about it later in the podcast, but it's, it's getting bad. So I need track and field to get here. I need some of these events to start going through. So some of the events start paying off and I can use that to gamble on the, the events later on in, in track. I just, I need it to get here. The anticipation is unbelievably high. Could not be yeah. higher. And, and once it does get here too, it's like, we got to start mentally preparing ourselves for the schedule that we're going to have to have, because I think we, we talked about it a little bit last time, but I mean the, the track and field it's 6am to 8am or like 5.30am to, to 8am every day. And then like 9.45pm to 11.30pm every night. So it's a brutal schedule, but we got to be locked in. We got to be ready to go. Steve's, you know, got all of our bets in there for us. So we, we got to find a way to mentally prepare. So it's, and, and it's weird too, right? Cause you wait the week for the track to start, but then even like you have three or four days of, of heats and semifinals and stuff like that. So we're truly still almost a week away from like real legitimate finals coming at us. So the anticipation is not going anywhere, Steve. It's, am uh, I the, am I the only one that's a little excited for the five to nine block? Like I, I, I cause I feel like it's, it's going to be, you're going to have to get up early. Everybody's going to be tired, but it's going to be one of those things. We're all in it together, but you're going to have this whole slate of events before your workday even starts. I'm kind of excited for it. See, that's, that's the part that sucks is I, this sounds crazy, but I actually wish it was earlier. Like I wish it was like, I almost wish it was like 4am to like 7.30am so that you could do it. You could have your coffee and your breakfast and then your morning commute to get to work where it's like, you know, me, my first 30 to 40 minutes of work are going to be invested in the, you know what I mean? Like half of the the slate is going to be my commute to work. And then my first hour of work, which sucks. I I wish, I wish it was almost earlier. Talk about a perk of breaking your ankle. I was going to the office every day. Now I'm working from home. My workday doesn't have to start until the track and field 
uh, is done for the morning. So I actually don't want it any earlier. You could push it back a half hour later if you need to, so I can get my my extra sleep in here. I got no complaints whatsoever with the timing of this. Although I got to be honest, I don't understand how it can be the early morning and the like late evening. Like the the time zone thing, it only changes once, right? Like how are we having track at like early in the morning, late in the evening? It's breaking my head thinking about it. I have my spreadsheet up. This was. This means I'm back in gambling mode, right? I used to have a notebook where I'd write down my bets. Now I'm a spreadsheet guy. I have a spreadsheet like saved on my desktop, my work computer that's tracking everything. I'm going to have to add the schedule of events in there as well so that I, I don't miss anything. So, Trent, I had, to do like, I had to do like the mental time zone math in my head earlier today because I was trying to figure that out too because I was like, this seems like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. But, it doesn't. But, so it's 13 hours. So when it's morning for us it's the late shift for them. So they're doing like the nighttime track. And then when it's nighttime Listen, for us, it's the, the morning, like early. So they're trying to avoid the Mike, middle of the Mike. day, the heat of the moment. Yeah. I mean, that's what it we've is. never, we've never been able to figure out time zones on this podcast. We're that's not why I was doing zone. the work. That's why I was doing the work before. You know what I mean? So, and the other frustrating thing too, is all they put all the finals at the very end of the slates. So same thing. If your if your work is clashing with that last hour of track and field, you're gonna hit every single finals. And then on the late shift, all the finals are gonna be the ones at like eleven thirty midnight. Which whatever is fine. We're gonna bust through here. We're gonna we're gonna make it work. But that's just, you know these are the mental preparations I'm trying to get through in my in my head right now. All right, Mike. Let's kick off the running news. So for our first set on the news here, we're going to start with the first results coming in from kind of, you know, the distance running track and field sphere here. And that is the triathlon. We had the triathlon finals this past weekend. And so on the men's side, I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch this race, but Steve, I texted you uh, somewhere towards the end. And this guy uh, Christian Blumenfeld, uh, who take home the gold medal. I texted you because he is a guy I think you would love to know. And the absolute grinder. I mean, you look at this guy, doesn't look like doesn't a look distance like runner, that. doesn't no. look like an endurance athlete at all. And the whole like broadcasting is going on. And there's this guy who's at the lead pack and everyone keeps talking about him. Uh, let's see what, what was his name. It was uh, Alex Yee from Great Britain. How you know he's the kind of distance runner in the pack, and the fact that nobody's made a move at this point, it's pretty much a guarantee he's going to win. And then this guy Blumenfeld, out of nowhere, puts down this crazy move, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, he's got to make that move early on. He's going to kind of do it now because Yee is right there." And he just keeps going and keeps going. Nobody catches him. The guy's an absolute beast comes across the line and like hugs the, the uh, tape for like legitimately five to seven minutes. He's like rolling on the ground. People, I think it was like 25th place was coming across the line and this guy was still hugging the tape. I mean, it was an electric finish. I love the hell out of this guy. And uh, Steve, the second I saw him, I was like, this is, this is a Steve Gendron guy if I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I love this guy. And you're right, Mike. You watch him come across the, the finish line and grab the tape. Just, you know, and, and the thing about the triathlon is 
you look at those guys in the in and girls that that participate in the triathlon, and every single one of them just looks like a specimen, right? They look like the the picturesque Olympian, and this guy just doesn't fit the role. Just an absolute grinder, hanging in there, and you got you can tell that you know when like you said when he was celebrating. You know, he earned every step of that, every stroke of the swim, every, you know, pedal of the bike, he earned that. So um, I, I'm, I, I, I do love that guy. Um, Steve, they, they said he did eight-hour shifts every day for training. He did eight-hour shifts of training every single day. Man, must be nice. He, uh, <laughs> he enjoyed that home stretch, too. You know when the, the camera angle is, is coming at it right from the finish and they show him coming through, and you can't really like tell exactly how much distance there is between him and the guy behind, but uh, the way he was showing it, 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 it looked like probably closer than it was, but he was just like in disbelief that he had won it, um, but he wasn't like doing the, you know, the, the strong finish in. The guy was like just taking it all in. It was, it was fun. It was a really fun finish to see, and it was brutal out there. Just like the temperature they had, I guess, like super, super hot. So for this guy to come in and not be like, you know, the physique that we would expect from the triathlon uh, winner to win in that kind of conditions is pretty fun. Some great shots later on of people just like uh, lying on the ground. A friend of the program, Hannah, sent me this this TikTok. So you guys have learned about TikTok now. Some guy was just announcing the carnage. TikTok basically. thing. Have you guys heard of it? TikTok? Yeah, it's this new thing. All the kids are doing it. Peak Too Early is even doing it. But they were just talking about the carnage. Like it was, it was kind of preposterous. Like people were just laying out there. They're coming across the finish line uh, and just like face planting into the ground. And, and just there was like not enough medics to get everybody. It was fantastic. So that just made it even more cool to see a guy like this uh, have the strong finish that he did. So, hey, I need to say this about the triathlon. Um, the Olympic distance triathlon is brutal. Because, like, you know, and, and you think about, you know, obviously everybody knows the triathlon is, is crazy and it's, um, and it's an extreme endurance sport. And it's, easy, it's obviously, like, it's, it's obvious to wrap your head around, like, how brutal, how extreme, like, the Ironman is and some of these, like, crazy long-distance triathlon. But the thing about the Olympic triathlon that you can't appreciate until you watch it on TV, it is, like, an all-out sprint for these guys for two hours right? It is just like, it's, it's like short enough in some of these distance where these guys are just going all out for just under two hours. I mean, they're, they're blasting through the water. They're, they're hammering on the bike and then they get to the run and they're all running fast times. It has, it is like, you know, watching, it's like, this has to be one of the most brutal events going. For sure. For sure. Um, so I think we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out uh, you know, on the American side, obviously our guy, friend of the program, program Morgan Pearson, who wasn't his day, you know, he, he suffered a 15 second penalty, which was something I learned about kind of on the fly. I guess he like didn't put something equipment away properly, I Bullshit. guess, which is crazy. So he suffered a 15 second penalty, but somewhere along the bike, he kind of fell behind and just didn't have his day. But Kevin Mc uh dowell was right in it right at the end uh there was parts of it when i i think with um maybe like two miles to go he actually took the lead and tried to like gap the the pack but they responded pretty quickly so shout out to the americans and then 
Uh, well, hey, Mike, I, I just want to say that before we move on here real quick, um, you know, getting ready, because this was kind of like the first event where we had a friend of the program, well, it was the first event, or somebody that, you know, we, we were really rooting for. And going into this event, like, I had butterflies for him. Like, I was genuinely sure. excited. Like, I was excited, you know, I was pumped for him. And, and Morgan made a post about how he was, he wasn't happy, obviously wasn't happy, you know, he wanted, he wanted to do better. Um, but something we didn't really talk about on this podcast was kind of his journey to to qualify and he he missed most of march training like his older brother passed away in his sleep in march and like he like you know just didn't really train for an entire month he barely qualified he got he got bronze at that event that that kind of ensured his his spot in the olympic team but this was kind of like over the past six months it's been kind of an emotional roller coaster for him and you know i i, I it was it, it was just really cool to, to see him out here out there see like a, a friend of the program that you know is is a, is also a grinder and that kind of earned every step of the way but just kind of had an emotional story to to get there yeah and, and you know he kind of over the last year he's really like kind of put himself on the scene with olympic or u.s um triathlon so it's not the end for him right like i i, I think there's a very good chance three years from now at the next Olympics that he's the guy, right? The guy yeah. that, that is throwing it down for USA and has a chance to compete for, for a medal. So looking forward we, to that. And when we had him on, Mike, we've had him, we had him on like over a year and a half yeah, it's ago. Been a, now. It's been a while. a while ago. And at the time it was like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to make the Olympics and the triathlon. And he had just won, he had just won club cross and, and we're like, okay, yeah, that, you know, Right. We're going to be rooting for you, but sure enough, he's, he's an Olympian. He's out there. So I, I just wanted to give some, some props to our guy, Morgan. For sure. And, and speaking of meddling, we had, you know, our first U.S. Uh, true medal in the, the track and field distance running realm with Katie Zephyrs. She took bronze on the woman's side in the triathlon. And then the winner there was Flora Duffy from Bermuda. Uh, and she absolutely dominated. You know, in the men's race, it was a little bit closer coming down the line. F- Flora from Bermuda just ran away with it, wasn't even close, and and dominated the field there. Uh, and Trent, to your point with, like, the, the carnage on the men's side, same thing. I mean, you, it was an absolute war zone at the finish line. Like, I know uh, Katie from the U.S., when she came across, she, like, went to go – shake flora's hand and she she literally like her depth perception was off couldn't even like shake the girl's hand because she couldn't find her hand i mean again it j- just a shout out to like how difficult this event was with these girls were just sprawling out couldn't see straight after the finish line yeah at least at least in running when you're done it's like it's the same muscles that work the whole time and this you had like the i don't know your whole body just gotta be falling apart i'm reading there's a there's a thing called the mixed relay triathlon. So there's gonna be some men and women. I guess Morgan's doing that. So that'll be cool to see him back out there in another event. Uh, hopefully Katie's on that team if she's third place. So we're not done with triathlon just yet. I think the USA gets another shot at it. It'll be fun to watch. All right, so let's move on to the next news story here. So this is kind of a weird one. So. I, I think we found out about this pretty much like right after our last recording where Centro announced that he was going to go after the American record for the mile. And this is like a week before the Olympics. So he, he goes after, drops a 349, a few seconds off the American record. So 
for Sencho, a guy who doesn't generally, you know, go record hunting like that, to kind of publicly go after a record and then come up short a week before the Olympics, the whole thing seemed weird to me. Uh, I don't really understand the point of it, why we did it. I mean, God, what, what do we think of this move? It almost feels like, I don't know if it was like an attempt to try and get some momentum going into the Olympics, but it feels like it had the opposite effect, right? Like, are we losing momentum going into the Olympics here? Oh, oh, I disagree, Mike. Go, go. What? Well, I don't completely disagree, but you go ahead, Trent. I was looking at Steve. I feel like we both had some takes on this to see who would jump in, but I was excited about this. Guy like Sancho is not calling a shot all the time to, to go out and try and break records. So, you know, the intrigue is there. Uh, they had the fans out on the track, right? So it was, it was a pretty good environment for it. But he doesn't need this right now. He's got an Olympic game to go after. But he's not just like in this little, I don't know, uh, there's this training uh, world where, where he's just like solely focused on the Olympics. He's like, he's like feeling swaggy enough where he can go out there and say, I'm going to go after the American record. Now, did he get it? No, and he missed it by a long shot. However, he still ran a personal best, which was pretty impressive. I don't think his pacers, they were, they were gone after like 800 meters, basically. So I, it wasn't like the best situation for him to go out and get it. And he probably never really, like he's never been a guy that, that runs as fast time. So I, I was not surprised he did not make it. But watching him out there to have the swag, to go for it, to get a PR – did make me think like maybe I do need to put a little more on Centro to win. You know, I just I love the headspace that he's in to put himself out on the line like that to go after this record. Like a oh, few days probably before he has to get on a plane to go to Tokyo. I think Centro's panicking a little bit. So I think we we've we've talked about it quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. Last week we talked about how Centro is the greatest tactical racer of all time. And if it's a tactical race, he is just as good as anybody to walk away with that gold medal. But we've also talked about guys like Kerr, guys like Chariot, that aren't gonna, that we've seen kind of a little bit of an evolution over the past four or five years where the mile, 1500, people aren't letting it be a tactical race. Like it is a hard fought grinder race. It is, you know, Chariot's gonna take it out. He's going to go hard. And I think what we're seeing from Centro is like, I got to like get ready to, to run that pace. I got to be ready to, to run a non-tactical race and, uh, and grind it out with these guys. And I think he kind of needed, needed a better attempt at this, at this U S record to feel good about going out there and blasting out uh, a balls to the wall, 1500 meter. And I think three seconds off of what he was trying to do is not a great sign. And uh, I have the exact opposite reaction, Trent, where it's like, I might pull back. I might pull back that, that bet I had on Centro and reallocate those funds elsewhere after, you know, I mean, yeah, great. You got a PR. Um, but you know, you, I don't think that that's going to compete with some of these guys. I mean, and, and, and you got Josh Kerr over here posting workouts, doing an 800 where he, he ran, I think he ran like just, I think he ran just shy of 146 where he ran a 55 and closing a 50. Like this guy is ready to grind. I don't know if Central's ready to grind. Yeah, so I'm kind of in between the two of you here because 
first of all, I, I don't understand the point of of doing this record attempt at this time, right? Because like you said, Steve, Centro is a tactical racer. He's never been the guy who's going to go out there and dazzle in a time trial. He's never been the guy who's going to throw down the fast. You know, there's a reason why he doesn't have an American record, but there is also a reason why he has a gold medal and because he's a great racer. So, I mean, it it's not a, an attempt that's set up well for the way that he races. So, I, I like, I don't – and if it's to your point where it's like, okay, he's got to learn how to race that way. Well, I would say three days before the Olympics is not the time to start thinking that way. And I would like to think that Centro and his team are smart enough where they didn't come to that conclusion three days before they got onto the plane, right? They have to have been preparing for for that style of racing for a long time. So that leaves me still in this like weird spot where it's like, okay, I can't, assume he was doing it to actually get the record because that's not how he races and i can't assume that he was doing it as some kind of like panic strategy because like you like i said he's known he has to race this way for a long time so i just at the end of the day it had to have been just like a glorified workout and if that's the case he still did run a pr right i mean he still did run a 349 mile the week before he had to leave to the Olympics. So there's got to be something to be said for that, right? I mean, I just wish that they didn't. Let me, let, me, let me pitch it to you this way, Steve. Let's say they didn't pitch it as an American record attempt and they just said like, oh, Centro is going to get like one last tune-up in before the Olympics and he goes out there and drops a 349 mile. You feel a little bit differently, don't you? Definitely. Right, yeah, so it, pitching it's, it's all, it as it, pitching it as pitching it as a three forty six attempt and being three seconds short. Yes, I feel way did, way different about it. Did anybody actually think he had a, a chance to go three forty six? I mean, uh, I, they wouldn't have Mike. They wouldn't have marketed it that way if if he didn't have a attempt. Bowerman doesn't do that. Bowerman the Bowerman right. doesn't doesn't market to things that they don't think that their guys can accomplish. They just right. don't do that. And that's why it's just like, I don't know. I just don't understand the event at all because there's no angle that I can figure out that like makes sense to me. Why, why they would even do other, that. I just other don't. than it being an act of desperation to build Centro's confidence and have this strategy ready to roll that, that is you, you, you're searching for this angle and I'm telling you, this is an angle. Yeah, but the desperation, if American record is your desperation, I mean, that's a, that's a Hail Mary right there. Fair. I don't think he needed to build confidence. I think he has the confidence right now. The guy feels like he can do anything, and that's why he said, sure, I'll go after 346. I heard this thing where the announcers were saying. Does he? I think he does. I think he does. You don't think Cole Hawker coming across the line, shushing him, might hurt his confidence a little bit? I think he you don't think that hurt his confidence a little bit, Trent. Come on. That might have damaged his confidence a little bit. That might have damaged <laughs> his confidence just a tad bit. But I still all right, so it was damaged from that. I'll give you that. I still think it takes some balls to put this thing on the line, uh, to go out there and to go after a record that you say Bowerman thinks he probably could have had it, maybe he thinks he could have it. Like 
I, I think we all agree he probably wasn't going to get it. We would have picked against it depending on, you know, if there was a line out on that. But to have the balls to go out there and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. All eyes on me. Bring the attention to me. This is getting all the eyeballs on Centro. You know, we're not talking about Cole Hawker this week. We're talking about Centro. All eyes on me going into the Olympics. I just kind of like the mindset that it takes to put yourself out there uh, two weeks before Tokyo. All right, gentlemen. That's all I got for the news. All right. We are going to transition into our interview for the week. Now, we have a very different type of interview than we usually have. So we have Jason Halpin from the House of Run podcast on today's episode. Jason's a super interesting dude. He uh, is a host on, like I said, House of Run, which is up to their 600 episodes. So they've been doing this podcasting, running world game for a long time. But for his day job, he actually manages a sports book in Vegas. So matches up with everything we're talking about these days. Had a really great conversation with him. Let's get into it. What's up, man? Hey, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time to to chat with us. And look at this. This is what I this is you know I love interviewing fellow podcasters because you got the whole setup. Your oh, sound absolutely. is coming through nice and crisp. <laughs> this is great. I was going to ask, do you want me to record the audio on my end, or you just record the whole thing as one? Um, we're going to record the whole thing as one. Okay, cool. I, I have I have a hard enough time keeping one recording under uh, you know under wraps, <laughs> trying to get like three or four at a time. <laughs> it was like I'm, year eight that we like we started recording ours separately. Then uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was worth it to be honest. I, I think <laughs> I think it I think it does sound better, but it just seems like the the I don't know. I usually record the podcast or edit the podcast at like two in the morning. So I feel like it's just you're playing a dangerous game if I'm trying to match up audios. Exactly. That. Yeah, you get some weird <laughs> echo going that starts at 35 minutes in that you're trying yeah. to correct. I get <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so Jason, we we reached out to you. And we wanted to have you on the podcast, and like I said in our our text message exchange, um, this Olympics and being able to gamble on track and field is something that we have been gearing up for the past two years. It was kind of like. It was a goal of this podcast for it to turn into a track and field gambling podcast. And throughout the years, you know, we've created games, you know, we kind of, you know, we've, you know, made fun ways around it, you know, gambling not being legal on track and field. And we're finally here. We're doing it. We wanted to reach out to you because we're, we're fans of the House of Run. We enjoy that podcast. But you kind of have some unique work experience, you know, working in a sports book. So, um, first off, are you allowed to say which sports book you, you work with? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I guess maybe yeah. I'll get a talking to after this if, if not, but, uh, yeah, so I'm the head of the Aria sports book, which is part of the MGM group. Um, we, we have some, and we do have some gambling on that. So, Hey, if you're part of the, one of the States that has MGM look on there. Um, but we don't take probably to the extent, you know, like every event, like some of these do. So, um, I pulled up some, uh, kind of overseas lines because uh they care more about track and field than we do so i, I wanted <laughs> to be able to get it on every event yeah well so i mean how did you get into that originally yeah i kind of fell backwards into it i mean i've always been a huge sports fan um but kind of when the economy crashed uh 2009 or whatever it was lost my job in marketing just looking for a, a side thing so i just became like a ticket writer at a sports book and then uh slowly 
okay, man, I guess I'll do this uh, as a supervisor. Okay, I guess I'm a manager now and now I'm a director. I don't really know how it happened, um, but I enjoy it. Like I've always enjoyed the numbers, even though I'm not a huge like gambler myself. Um, but I just, I, I kind of like the, you know, the, the, the numbers and everything that goes into it and kind of going, hey, this would be a good bet, even though I'm not willing to usually put my own money behind it. Well, I think that's, that's like for, for the most part, like most of the, the casual track fans or even the, the, the big track fans, they're looking at the odds and they're like freaking out about, you know, why is this person's odds so low? Why is this person's so odds so high? And I think what most people don't realize that it's not, it's not about, it's not an accurate judgment of their ability. It's truly, it's a math equation. It's figuring out how are we going to disperse these bets? How are we going to get, you know, a slight advantage in the action that we want? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's ideally they want, you know, kind of equal odds across the board and then they're just going to end up winning because yeah, Hey, you have 10 people here that you have to bet. And so if random people are betting all these different athletes, you're going to just end up taking the, the VIG or the, you know, the extra, if you will, and they're going to make money. So they, at the same time though, I do think with sports like track and field and, and some of the more niche kind of sports, I think the people who are really paying attention, I do think there's like an actual advantage where you're not going to take advantage of Vegas through, through NFL. Like it's, you're just not going to do it. Sorry. They know more than you. You might win for a few weeks. It, it could be good, but honestly, they, the, the stuff they have, the history they have, um, it's hard to beat. But I think here there's actually, you know, some, some money to be made. Yeah. We, we talk about that all the time or it's like this, this is so new and yeah, it, because it's such a, a niche thing, if you're really paying attention, especially on some of these favorites, there's some of these favorites that are just, they seem way lower than they mm-hmm. than they should, right? Like I look at a guy like Krauser, or I look at a guy um, like Chariot, like th- those guys to me seem like, yeah, of course they're favorites, but like Chariot at like a minus 150, minus 160. In any other sport with, you know, I, I don't know, it, it just feels like that would be a way bigger favorite I, I don't know it's it, it sometimes it just doesn't add up which I think is good for us I don't know yeah I agree it's it's I don't know if they're like afraid to kind of put those those right. minuses too high um but or, or if it just hey the higher the minus that is you know then you're someone's gonna be like oh well I could get so and so at six to one meanwhile the six to one person is not going to win <laughs> I mean it's 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 so tempting yeah. to try to hit that big big thing but you're absolutely right like Ryan Krauser depending where you see them, you know, between 350 and 400, like what's, what's going to have to happen to Ryan Krauser? Like he's going to fall on his way, drop a shot put on his foot. Like he's going to win the gold medal, right? Multiple multiple times over. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is I wonder if, because maybe track and field fans aren't necessarily like the gambling crowd, you Mm -hmm. know, aren't, aren't usually in sports betting that if you don't, you know, if they put Krauser at like minus 500 or minus 600, they might not get, any pull in there, right? Like people might be too, it, it might skew things too far in one direction. I, I'm not really sure. But the other piece of it that we talk about a lot too, and you kind of brought it up was the, like the offshore versus the domestic sports mm-hmm. books and stuff like that. I wonder how, cause you know, there's so many factors and what like changes lines and stuff like that. Do you think that there's enough influence in the track and field community for like a domestic sports book to adjust? Like I think about a guy like Cole Hawker, right? Right. Everybody, everybody loves Cole Hawker. He's a huge name. You know, the whole let's run community is all over. Right. So it's like, he's a big name in the sport, but like you look at his odds. I like, I think we talked about in our last one, it was like Hawker 
um, versus like a guy like Josh Kerr, right? And like Hawker was like 3,500 and Kerr was four, plus 4,000. Is there an element to like where the domestic uh, sports book will play around with things knowing that a guy like Cole Hawker will get a little bit more attention than some of the other names? Uh, yeah, I think 100%. I mean, if overseas, I'm sure, you know, Kerr would be listed as more of a favorite over Hawker and based on probably accomplishments, that's probably accurate. But, <laughs> yeah, for sure. it, you know, if you're taking bets in Oregon, like, I, I, I don't know how you, you, you're like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. Let's, let's knock Hawker down if you, we know people are going to bet on this guy. But I think that's absolutely true. And that happens across the board. I mean, as sports books have gone to – to other states that you see it a ton in college football like all of a sudden you know you're we're in mississippi and it's like yeah the, the, the sec lines are going to be out of whack there like they're just going to go we know what people are going to bet down here so why are regardless like why are we gonna have the good odds let's let's actually skew things in our favor because we know what the way it's going to go so i think both sides yeah i mean it's on the u.s side the u.s guys are gonna actually probably skew a little more where you know i'm looking at bwin which is a like a kind of a european site and i feel like there's actually some some good value with with some more of the americans so i, I think they absolutely take into account kind of uh, what their audience is going to be we have a we have a third co-host that wasn't able to make it for this interview but his strategy the entire football season is just bet against notre dame because he thinks that Notre Dame has like a lot of like public money on it. People see that they're kind of used to like Notre Dame being really good. So his strategy is to just bet against Notre Dame every single week and you're going to make money. So um, yeah, we, that's... We, we definitely employed that strategy. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that, that, that is a thing. I mean, definitely they say, you know, the public teams, you're going to have the Patriots, uh, maybe not, maybe not Sands Brady, but before that, um, you know, the Packers with Rodgers, like there are those teams that are always going to seem like they're like two points in the wrong direction. And then, but you're also going to be like, do I want to bet against this guy? Like it's, it's, so it's just enough, I think, to kind of skew things slightly in the odds makers favors, but they're not going to, they're still going to make you uneasy because you're like, well, now you have to bet against the best quarterback in the league. And it's just like enough to scare you off. Well, as a Patriots fan, I've made a lot of money on them <laughs> yeah. over the past 20 years. Absolutely. I lost a lot of money last year and I'm going to continue to lose <laughs> a lot of money on them. Um, but you know, I, I, and I think, and I know that you've talked about it on your podcast in the past, but this idea of incorporating gambling more into track and field has kind of been you know, for a lot of people, the way to grow the sport and kind of the future of the sport. And you look at it and it kind of makes sense, right? There's no reason. And we had Mac Fleet on and he was talking about how there's no reason that track and field shouldn't be at least as big as a sport like horse racing, where there's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's directly tied to, uh, to gambling. And it makes sense, right? Where it's, it's a very similar sport, but you're able to add personalities to it. You're able to, you know, just, just kind of, you know, have some more fun with it. Has there, have you heard any talk or, in, you know, kind of in gambling circles in your, in your profession about maybe the future of track and field, maybe, you know, finding more lines for, for uh, more odds for, uh, for certain track meets coming up? I haven't heard a ton, but I think that is something they should absolutely explore more. I mean, it's, it's something where we're, you know, most really around Vegas, you'll see a lot of, they're taking bets on the hundred the 400, like it's, it's a handful of events, but they're not going too deep yet. I mean, with world championships coming to Oregon next year, Oregon has legalized sports betting. Like there's no reason that you should not be able to make wagers outside of like 
the world championships, right? Like, I mean, what, what would be the downside of that? And it's, it seems like kind of a no brainer. And I think the more, the closer you get to that, I mean, I, I've, I've been to the UK, there's a little, like, I mean, these tiny sports betting kiosks around like every other corner and it's amazing. And it just seems like, yeah, like, why wouldn't you do that? People love to gamble. It's this thing that just, you know, makes things interesting, even if you don't have a rooting interest. So I, I think it's something I, I'd be interested because we, it got approved in Vegas right before 2016, but like barely. So like there really wasn't enough time to really put out a, a bunch of odds, but there's more this year. And I'll, I'll be kind of curious to look at the numbers afterwards and kind of see what it is. Um, and maybe it doesn't blow up in Vegas, but I think in certain markets, Oregon, uh, it could, it could really kind of pop. Hey, Nike. You want to grow the sport. You want to yeah. get some business going at going at the new Hayward. Put a kiosk, a couple kiosks 100%. in the new Hayward. I I'll mean, run imagine it. how awesome Just call that me. Would be. I'll take care of it. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the perfect crossover for you, Jason. That'd be right. Be I mean, let's see how many. Yeah, how many sports book uh, managers actually uh, have a running podcast? There can't. Yeah, be no I, kidding. Got to be on the low end. <laughs> so I got kind of a two-part question for you. This is like gambling uh adjacent but you know well, i'll get to my point here is track and field your favorite sport Ooh, that's a great question so i am a i'm a chicago guy um so i i in the team sports i am all chicago all the time um it's interesting though because track and field i don't have like rooting interests outside of you know i have a few favorite yeah. athletes here and there but it's more just like the love of the sport so the random, like, would I rather watch a random diamond league or a random, any other sport? Yeah. I'd rather watch a random diamond league. Um, when it comes to, you know, a, a Cubs playoff game or, uh, or something like that, it's, uh, it becomes very interesting for me. I, I can okay. be very, so, uh, tied to that, but it, it's, it's on the very short list for sure. So you, you mostly answered the question I was hoping you would, because <laughs> we, we preach a lot like, um, we feel like one of the biggest issues with the, the sport of track and field is oftentimes we don't treat or, or sports media, track and field media doesn't treat track and field like a normal, um, you know, sport would a normal sports <laughs> fan, normal sports media. We, it, it's just different. And I think, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, just by like the, the, the way we approach how we cover track and field. And I think gambling has a lot to do with that. You know, the, the, the environment, you go to a game, a football game, you, you place a bet on it, you go to the stadium, you have some beers, you tailgate outside, right? It, there, there's an experience that comes with the sport. So outside of like just gambling and everything like that, like how do we, how do we create this culture around track and field? Because, you know, I, the, the part of the reason I like your guys' podcast and, you know, we, we've, we've had our fair share of negative comments towards flow track hand up, right? Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the first one to admit it, but I think the reason I, I like your guys' podcast is because uh, you, you, you in particular bring an energy where it's like, you're a sports fan, right? You're a sports fan first who happens to, you know, you ran in high school, you happen to like track and field. And I, I feel like that's kind of where we're at too. Like we, we're trying to rediscover the sport in a way where it's like, how do you find, sports fans who happen to be runners maybe ran in high school how, how do we like overlap this to make this sport you know a little bit more accessible for the average sports fan no it's it's a great question it's something we, we've definitely talked about a lot um on the podcast because it's everyone wants it you know to kind of take that next step to get that recognition whatever it is and it's it's hard i don't you know track will never be a, a major four sport but you're right like it, it could jump up a level where it's 
horse racing or something to that extent. And I don't know if it's setting up a, a, a schedule. Like I've always thought of it. If we could do something to the extent of a golf or tennis type schedule where you have, Hey, we have these kind of quote unquote majors throughout the year and some sort of point system. I mean, obviously the, the thing that everyone's aiming for is world championships, Olympics, and that's great. And those people love those and people like to watch those, but in the off year or the other 11 and a half months of the year, it's like everyone's kind of prepping for these one things and sure people want to win the diamond league. Cause it's, it's a little extra, but there's not these big incentives to have the premier people kind of match up. Right. I mean, it's, we, we get them from time to time. Monaco, you, you might get those at, you know, Eugene, you might get those, but even then you have Rye Benjamin pulling out last minute against yeah. Carson Warholm at, at Monaco. And like, there's not the big incentive for them to run there. Right. Like it's, and it's, I don't know how you fix that outside of money. I mean, that's kind of the answer, I guess, to everything. But I think if you had some sort of more firm schedule or, or something to kind of make these athletes run, say, Hey, these, these four events, and then you have to run three others or whatever it is give them a reason why they have to compete. And then you get these, these kind of rivalries grow and grow. And then as much as exciting as it is to have, you know, Benjamin Warholm square off for the first time at the Olympics, like I'd much rather this be the fifth time they've raced against each other this year, or the, even the, the third time they race against each other. I think stuff like that, if we could find a way to do that. And like I said, it's probably money, but still that would be the, I think that would be the best way to grow the sport. I think golf, like you mentioned golf, I think that's the best comparison because it's a multi-day event, right? Mm. Um, you get, they've done a really good job the past decade in marketing to people that have just kind of a casual interest in the sport. Instead of trying to like, you know, milk the fans that they had for everything that they're worth, they, they worked on bringing other people into the sport and making it more accessible and more fun. Um, like I, I went to a golf tournament a couple of years ago, first golf tournament I ever been to, I had a blast, right? And I, right. and I knew a handful of guys there. So I think that's a, that's a really good comparison. I think track and field should, should try to take a, take a couple of, you know, some, some lessons from golf. <laughs> but that being said, there's a ton of money in golf. Um, yeah. And it's, it's hard because you have, X number of countries and their federations and everybody, you know, so it, it is hard. I, I'm not saying it's, Hey, why aren't we doing this? It should be so easy. Um, Cause you have to, every country has their own little rules and, and different things, but I don't know. There's gotta be a better way to do it. Right. These see most of the, most of the track federations too. I just don't trust to actually make smart decisions. Neither do I. <laughs> Um, so, hey, so I don't want to get too far from, from the gambling. I want you to throw – let's let's see if, if you could throw out maybe your top two to three picks going into these Olympics. What are your kind of like two to three locks that you're looking at? Yeah, so it, it's tough. So I would say there, there's, you know, there's locks, like I said, like Krauser. I mean, it's easy to call a minus 400 a lock, right? But some ones I was looking at that were just value. Um, the one that stuck out to me going through these lists, uh, first and foremost was a women's 200. So based on what I'm looking at and, and where you're at, it'll, it'll vary slightly, but it has Gabby Thomas as the favorite at plus 175. Uh, she ran ridiculous at USA's, one of the fastest times ever. I get it. She had never broken 22 before that meet, ever. And then she did it three times in a row at that meet which is yeah. amazing. And maybe she is like the next thing and she's just going to dominate this event for the next five years. Like wouldn't surprise me, but Shawnee Miller-Webo is four and a half to one. And Dean Archer-Smith is four and a half to one. Like I, 
I think Shelly and Fraser Price is not Shelly and Fraser Price, excuse me, Shawnee Miller Weibo is just, I think she's the best 200 meter runner in the world. Um, you know, she's been back and forth between the two and the four. I think she's going to run both. And if you're going to give me a chance to get four and a half to one on her, um, if Gabby Thomas runs 21, six again, cool. Uh, you know what? Tip my hat. It's, it's done. Yeah. And that might happen. Um, but I'm going to go with, with the woman who can consistently run, you know, 21, eight, 21, seven. And she just, she, she seems like such a safe bet to me. And I, I was actually shocked. It was, um, listed as that big of a favorite for Thomas. Yeah, that that's, that's actually interesting. I, um, again, I, I don't know a ton about the 200. I, the woman's 200 is not my, my specialty, but that was actually an event that I was targeting, um, as kind of like trying to take not a long shot, but some higher odds, just because having the favorite at plus one sixty and someone who's maybe not like a, a short thing. Like I was looking at somebody like Shelly Ann Fraser price who, yeah. you know, obviously the history is there and just on, on any given day could make it happen. Just a favorite in the hundred. So yeah, no, I, but I like that event kind of looking at someone to try and get a little bit of value out of there. Yeah. And it's, and it is tough because, you know, I could easily see, like I said, you mentioned Shelly and Richard Price, Dean Asher Smith, Elaine Thompson, Shrika Jackson, like that, that event is loaded and it, it the 200 has always been one of my loves, but it, it always disappoints. Like it falls apart because half the athletes are like, I'm running the 100 or I'm running the 400. Um, it looks like a lot of these women are going to run. And so I think if it, if, if they do, it, it is tough to like kind of put your money on one person, but I, I just, I don't know how Gabby Thomas is that big of a favorite. Um, even though she's plus money uh, and, and she ran ridiculous at USA's, I, I just think that field is loaded. It's funny you say that the, the 200 is one of your loves. There's a couple things that we've built this podcast on. We've built <laughs> on gambling on track and field. We've built it on a love for Tom Brady. And uh, we've built it on uh, hating the 200 <laughs> and having to sit through countless heats at every single indoor meet we were ever at. Felt like the 200 took up half of our day. We, we, we always joke, like, people give the 10K a hard time for, you know, if there's two heats of the 10K, it's going to take forever. It's like, the 200 takes just as long as the 10K. It's insane. You have, you know, everybody and their mother running the 200. You end up with, like, 36 heat, uh, you know, at the BU indoor track running. The, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, I, and I, I do get that. I think it's, I think it's always the, the possibilities of the 200 that fascinate me because you go every great 400-meter runner and every great 100-meter runner you're just like, man, if we could just do this and you end up with this dream, you know, seven or eight guys or women who are just like, this would be incredible. And then every year it's like two of them end up running and it's like, okay, well, that wasn't kind of what I was hoping it would be. Um, so I, I agree. It, it can be frustrating because it almost never pays off to what I hope it would be. But I think if you do match up all these, like there's just nothing more interesting. Like I said, there's, there's six, like, top top level women in that 200 and who knows how many are going to run it though and, and i and i will say we kind of like shot ourselves in the foot too because we took that stance so early on the 200 and then you got a guy like noah lyles who's like the most exciting person in all of track and field One of the most like, fun ah. yeah yeah we're like yeah like we we spent all this time trashing the 200 and now it's like 
Yeah. I mean, how can you, how can you not root for this guy? He's unbelievable. <laughs> it's a... Like up until about like two, three years ago, uh, we would just make fun of the 400 meter hurdles on both sides on our podcast. And uh, now they're probably the two most fun events in track. Yeah. Field. So like, it's, right. yeah. It's, it's most track and... guys on the guy side. And yeah, it's and crazy. World record every time the women run. Yeah. So it's, it can track and make you look dumb if you uh, hold on to the opinions too long. But um, yeah, no, I, 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 I totally get it. Well, I'm actually glad you brought up the 400 meter hurdles here. I'm just I'm pulling up the lines real quick, so give me a second. Yeah, so we have McLaughlin on the sports book I'm looking. At, I have McLaughlin at minus 330, and I have Muhammad at plus 185. So this is something that we talked about um, a couple shows ago, and I, I am so tempted to go Muhammad there at plus 185. Like I don't know. I just feel like, do I think that um, Sydney McLaughlin is going to win? Yes, I, I do. And that's why she's minus 330, right? But if you're talking about value, if you're talking about, I mean, these two have been going back and forth, just like passing world record off to each other. It's like, I, I don't know, plus 185 just seems like good value. Where are you at on that one? How, how do you feel at my uh, kind of the, the way I'm thinking through that one? Uh, I, I'm 100% on your side of this. I, I think go. Sydney you know she's at the world record like that's it's a big trump card to, to throw oh, yeah, out there sure. <laughs> um but besides the world record thing um i look at delilah muhammad set the world record the last two times they raced together she had a mess of a season this year right she got covid she was injured she like we, we barely saw her run at all the entire year then she shows up at USA's and I don't think anybody thought she was going to win that race, but it was like, she's going to make the team because she's just too talented not to. And then she still ran incredibly well. Um, you know, lost to the world record, but ran, yeah. <laughs> ran 52-4, looked great. Um, and she's had now, you know, over a month to kind of get back to normal. So I think there's a decent chance the world record might go down again because it just happens every time these two square off. And if you're going to give me close to two to one on, you know, one of the greatest ever at their event, I, I agree. I think the value is just too strong. I would say McLaughlin's the favorite. She should be the favorite. I'm not surprised by that, but minus it wouldn't blow crazy. me away. It yeah, wouldn't minus. blow me away if Muhammad won. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't see any value with McLaughlin there, but I definitely see it with. And, so and it's, I, one of, it's one of those things where it's like, it can only be one of those two, right? Like one yep. of those two will come home with the gold medal. So if you have, you know, almost two to one odds on you're one of two people that can win it. I mean, I love it. I love those odds. So I actually have a strategy. So, and, and I, I will say like, I, I just counted them. I have 29 live units right now, which is not a good thing. Wowza, um, go. <laughs> but I have a strategy where if it involves a hurdle, I'm not gambling on it at the Olympics mm. because my whole thing, my whole strategy is I, I'm picking events where it has the least amount, where there's the least potential for disaster, right? Okay. I'm staying, I'm staying away from the pole vault. I'm staying away from hurdles because, you know, I'm just in my head, I'm going back to, to Lolo Jones, right? You know, right. you know, she's, she's in the lead and she just nips that second to last hurdle. And now she's not even on the podium. I just feel like if you're betting on track and field, stay away from the hurdles. Like anything can happen when you start jumping over stuff. That's yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely fair. And I think that's, that definitely makes sense. Like in a, another reason I wouldn't lay big minus money on on any of these people in the hurdles um i'm the biggest carson warholm fan you'll find uh but he's depending where you're looking close to minus 300 a lot of places and i just wouldn't lay that in the 400 hurdles partially because ry benjamin's incredible uh 
but yeah, stuff can go wrong. I, I think with both of those events, you're looking at two pretty much I, kind of identical things um, where you have two people. I don't expect both, the, you know, both of them to kind of fall out. Um, but in the, in the 110s, you know, it's like on the men's side, you have Holloway. He's a massive favorite. He should win easily. Like no one else has really done much this season. Uh, but do you want to lay 250, 300 with, uh, with the high hurdles where things can, can go bad? Um, I definitely don't want to lay that with Kenny Harrison. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I like Kenny Harrison, but she has not performed on the biggest stage constantly. If anything, I would bet Camacho Quinn on that. Um, so, so I get it. Like, yeah, the, the hurdles add in that extra thing. It's kind of the same with the 1500. It's like, do you want, unless you're throwing in uh, someone, you know, you're getting eight to one odds or something who someone you could see coming in uh, from the side. It's like, do you, do you want to take your chance on an event that gets kind of weird? Well, the, so the 1500 for me, that's the event where I, I'm, I'm playing around with the long shots, right? I got some money on Kerr. I got some money on Centro. I'm not going to put big money on it, but hoping something crazy happens. Like, I mean, there, there's those events out there where you can, I'm feeling pretty confident, confident laying minus odds, but there's also events where it's like, let's go have fun. Let's see if, let's, let's hope something crazy happens here. Oh. Yeah. And, and Cherry has been outside of he, one race this year where he, he didn't win. You know, I think he finished what third or fourth or something. It was Kenyon trials. He, he ran terrible and it's the only bad race he's had in like three years. Uh, I still think he he's pretty good value at 155, but the 15 is weird, man. And I, I would be, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be a little, little afraid to lay that. And on the women's side, Kipyagon looks completely dominant unless Hassan does the triple, which would be the coolest thing ever probably. So, I um, mean, it would, it, and even then I think, I'd, I think Kipyagon's safe, but she's a, she's a pretty massive favorite in that. Yeah. I, I mean, this just keeps bringing you back to like, is, should we just every cent you were going to bet on the other events? Should we just put it on Ryan Krauser? Because <laughs> right. you guys are getting in my head about like the hurdles and then the 1500 and weird things happening. It's like, it seems like the only thing that feels like a sure bet at this time. So Krauser and then like, Steve, you mentioned the just put it this way. If Krauser, if Krauser doesn't win gold, I'm in trouble. So yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I am putting my money where my mouth is on Krauser. Another one that seems like, you know, a, a no brainer, but he's at minus 500. So that's probably not worth your thing, but Duplantis like, obviously like, but it's also fun with Kendricks right there at, at 10 to one, right? Like that could be a fun rooting interest. You're rooting for something crazy to happen to Mondo. You know, maybe he, he rolls his ankle on the run up. I don't know, but I don't know. I'm trying to, trying to find some weird ones here. <laughs> yeah. I mean like a small, you know, a small bet on, uh, on, on Kendricks in that case. Like I could, I could see that because it's, and it's like, no, it's the smart money is on Mondo, but it's like, do you want to lay, you know, like said, minus 500 pole, pole vaults can be weird. You know, just something happens, something weird happens. He should roll. Um, I guess I'll run it by you guys. So I, I was looking at this, another thing that stuck out to me. So you have like the men, the men's sprints, right? So we have the men's hundred, 200 and 400 Lyles. Then these are going to vary based on where you're at, but from where I got, I got Lyles minus 165. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Norman minus 155 and I've got Bramel at minus 125. Yeah, so I, I can't figure out a single reason why Bramel shouldn't be the biggest favorite of those three. Yeah. So yeah, that one feels like it's creaked up because I, I can't remember, but I feel like Bromel was like minus 160 or 170, like a week or two ago when we first talked about it. And now I have him at even odds. 
which again seems crazy. I would jump so, all over that. And and that I, doesn't make any sense to me that it's creeping the other way. If anything, I would thought he would be coming more and more of a favorite, but he, yeah. he seems to be pushing closer to plus odds, which is nuts. I, yeah, no, I agree with you completely there. So my strategy on the hundred meter is I have, I have, uh, three units on Bromel at plus a hundred and I've one one unit on Ronnie Baker. So if, cool. if, if Bromel goes down, I make, I, I break even on the, on the hundred meters, but I agree. I think it's, it's hard to see Bromel losing that race. Steve, I love how much you're factoring in just like people falling and like, <laughs> I mean that, but that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like you, it's it, the track and field. Like it's, it's when we were talking earlier about how, we have a significant advantage here because, you know, we, we watch the sport, we know the sport, we know the athletes and it's, we, it, you know, compared to like, you know, NFL Sunday, we genuinely have an advantage here and you can game it to just diminish or not, you know, just take down the amount of risk involved, right? There, you can game it. So there's a way where you can be pretty sure you're going to make money at the end of this, which is sure. very exciting. As yeah. long as, as long as Krauser doesn't lose. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, Bromel lost once this year and I get, he lost to Baker. He had a bad start, whatever. Um, I agree. Baker, I think is the only guy who I could really see it. Sambine's had a really good year, but I, you know, he seems more like a medalist than a, than a gold medalist. Andre de Grasse is one of the biz- biggest enigmas in the sport to me. I, I constantly make fun of him, but he, all he does is medal. He doesn't win golds though. So I'm not worried about him actually winning, but somehow he's going to medal running 10, three and I'm just, it's going to confuse me. Um, but Bermel is, yeah, he's just, he's as safe a bet as just about anybody, you know, in the sprint side and you know, Lyle's minus 165. that would have seemed like the biggest value in the world coming into this year. Mm-hmm. But man, I, he has not been himself at all he's he you know ran the hundred kind of terribly all year um and i i expect him to win um but i'm not laying willing to lay minus money there and if anything benaric um has a little bit of value because I, I don't think it's impossible for him to win jason i another thing i wanted to pick your brain on too here was um the marathon so this is something we talk and i the odds seem like they can come down so i can't see what the current ones are but this is something we kind of talked about for a while uh, a couple weeks ago was like, you know, the Kipchoge versus the, the field type of scenario, right? Where, cause I think Kipchoge was like minus 200 and then you just have everyone stacked up. I didn't see an actual bet you could make for the field. Um, but I mean, we're in a situation here and this is something we've like fantasized about for a couple of years now. And you have the hypotheticals of like, would you take Kipchoge you know, at these odds, this odds, whatever. We're in a situation here where it's like, all right, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Would you take Kipchoge at minus 200? And the marathon is a weird thing, right? Kipchoge is kind of coming off his first real loss. And uh, it's the Olympic marathon. So you have, it could be someone you never even thought of who's going to take this gold medal home. Are you taking the minus 200 on, on Kipchoge, the greatest marathoner of all time or not? Yeah, it's, I get, he, you know, he lost in London in that crazy 2020. We all had weird 2020s. He's, he wasn't <laughs> immune to that, apparently. Um, he did re- run in Inskede. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but he ran 204 this year. Uh, and that, that gave me a little bit of, even though 204 is like a completely mediocre time for him. I, 
I'm not betting against the goat. He's been so ridiculous um, forever. Uh, it, it's just, it was a weird London and I get it. Like it's hard to lay minus 200. The marathon normally you would never lay minus 200 with anybody ever in the history of the marathon. He's the one guy. And you know what? If I end up losing money betting on Elliot Kipchoge, fine. Like exactly, I, I just, yeah, that's, exactly. I'm going down with that ship. That's, that's just going to be it. I'm going to be the guy betting him until there. It's just like, okay, he's done. Stop. Yeah, like you, you're you you're can, betting on him in the Las Vegas rock and roll marathon at this point. Like what are you right. doing? But, yeah. You, you can sleep at night knowing that you bet on Elio Kipchoge, Kipchoge. Like, I mean, and, and I think that's a scenario where you could bet on Kipchoge and then find, pick your favorite long shot or whatever. Right. Like yeah. maybe, maybe you want to go like the, you know, the American route, you want to hit Rop or whatever you want to pick your favorite long shot put a little bit on Kipchoge, pick your favorite long shot, and then boom, that there it is. Steve's smiling over there because he disagrees. Yeah, that, that plus 5,000 on Ruff is, is calling my name. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, so, hey, I, I do, before we kind of wrap up the, the interview today, I just kind of have some, some non-track and field questions for you. Um, sure. and, and more kind of like the, you know, the, from the sports books perspective. And I've always been kind of fascinated on line movement, right? So the line, let's say, let's say for, uh, you know, college or NFL football, line comes out early in the week, and then you start seeing some big bets come in or, or just, you know, the majority of bets coming on one side, line starts to move a little bit. How does that work, right? Do the, do the casinos get together and like talk and share about like where the money's coming in at? And is there like a central kind of like almost governing body that suggests where the lines should go? So usually basically how it works is most of the time, especially like during football overseas lines will come out first, right? So they, they'll usually be the first to go and Vegas usually kind of monitors from there. So they'll go, Hey, blah, blah, open at minus seven. It got hammered and you know, now it's minus eight and a half or whatever. And so most books, especially the bigger ones, MGM, stuff like that. MGM's not looking to get beat. You know, they don't care necessarily that they're not getting the sharp money. They're just like, hey, let's make sure that something, we, you know, we're not just going to get hammered on this game. So they're going to kind of wait for things to shake out. And when I say wait, it's not like days. This is more like hours or, or something to that extent where they're going to kind of wait to see what happens. There might be a little bit of communication kind of within the books, but it's more that everyone can see what is happening to the lines and everywhere else. So in, in the olden days, you could you know, one place in town would have minus three and another place might have plus one. Like it could, it could have been all over the place. Now it's so hard to find anything that's more than half a, you know, half a, a point or something apart um, because they're just monitoring. And, and usually, like you said, it's, Hey, we got a $200,000 bet on this game. Let's, let's move the line slightly. Sometimes it's just, Hey, everywhere else is adjusting their line down. Let's just, let's just get the, get the jump on that. And, and move it down. So I don't know if there's direct communication um, at the very, very top, but it's more of a, Hey, let's, let's wait and see what happens with these. And, and we'll make adjustments from there. What about, what about, have you has, what if Vegas picks up or MGM picks up on um, some foul play or some, you know, potential, you know, cook in the books or, 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 you know, somebody's throwing a game or something like that. What happens when wind is caught about that? Like, is it, do they shut down the game? Do they investigate it? What kind of goes into something like that? Jason has yeah. to go grab his, his baseball bat and go break somebody's <laughs> game. That's what happens. 
yeah, that's so like, it seems like it's so rare now. I mean, the major sports, it's so rare now. Right. Cause yeah. it's just, it's so well-regulated and all this, but you hear about a soccer scandal in a random country every year now, like something weird is happening or, or something to that extent. And the thing about those, usually the limits are pretty low. Um, so it's, you know, on, and I'm just picking a name out of hat, Venezuelan soccer league, let's just say. And I, I, I don't know anything about soccer. So please, if I'm wrong, fine. But it's, those are the games we bet at five o'clock in the morning when there's nothing. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and so like, but they're going to go, Hey, we're only going to take 500 aside, maybe on that. Like they're, they're not going to let themselves get really hammered. So even if something weird does happen, um, they're, they're not going to let themselves get really, really killed by it. And if there's some sort of, either a mistake, like I've seen it happen where a line gets kind of posted maybe incorrectly instead of minus one, someone hits minus or instead of plus one, it's plus 10. Every once in a while, you know, someone hits the wrong key or something like that. Usually if someone is going around betting it and they'll, they'll kind of bet at a bunch of different places to try to not get noticed with a, with too large of a bet. Most of the time, I mean, they have to honor the ticket, but they'll say, Hey, we know what you're doing. We'll pay you out on it, but then you're not allowed to bet here anymore. So it's, th- th- there is a little bit of that gamesmanship because there's always guys who are just going to kind of go around and uh, if, if there is something sketchy going on, they, they'll kind of notice, hey, why are we getting a bunch of action on this snooker game that we did, to, whatever it is. So, which we actually take bets on snooker now, which I never would have thought was a, was a thing. That's, that's unbelievable. Yes, that, that actually kind of sparks my uh, thought on something here. Because a lot of times when we talk like gambling on track and field, people bring up like, Oh yeah, you know, if there was uh, gambling on track and field, it would be so easy for these guys to kind of like rig it and and throw races and stuff like that. Do you ever hear that sentiment? And if so, like, how is that different than any other? Like, uh, this comes back to it. Like, why do we treat it like any other sport? Like, yeah, of course, professional athletes could rig games if if they wanted to, but like, these guys are are, are professionals, right? And, and and this is their career, and this is what they do, and it's like. Has it happened in the past? Sure. Yeah. There's, there's, there's times in history when sports betting scandals have happened, but like, why is that the first thing we go to with track and field where, you know, Oh, if we allow betting on track and field, these guys will, will rig the sport. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's something because it's, it, it happened years ago. I, I just think the way things are monitored now, I mean, Vegas is probably better at it than anywhere just because you know, the, been around forever and they, they have so many just the communication the compliance everything like that but in general i just think the amount of money you have to maybe bribe an athlete with to do to, to actually make them throw the meat or whatever it is wouldn't you wouldn't be able to take that much action on something smaller like track and field like people aren't taking you know I don't think maybe overseas it's maybe it's different, but people aren't taking $50,000 bets, $100,000 bets on these, on these random track and field stuff. And I don't think, I don't think anybody's given up their Olympic chance, you know, on, on the major stage for this, you know? So if you're saying it's a smaller diamond league, I, like, I guess, but it's even then it, it seems so unlikely to me. Um, and it could only happen at the smaller levels. And then at that point, the, the amount you'd have to bribe to what you'd have to bet, it just doesn't seem like it adds up. Steve, did you put fifty to a hundred thousand on Ryan Krauser or, or, or no? 
if I if I had that much to bet, I would. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, Jason. Well, hey, you've been a great sport. Thank you so much for coming on. But we end every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't okay. you kick off down the home stretch? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we kind of already almost played this down the home stretch game. But down the home stretch, rapid fire questions. Let's do it. For your topic, we're just going to throw bets that we're considering at you. And you tell us, is it a good bet? Is it a bad bet? Gotcha. Steve, hit him with the first question. All right. Bryce Hopple plus 1,800. Good bet. That men's 800 is a mess. So why not? Let's do it. All right. Marcus Thendy in the long jump plus 900. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm sorry. This is rapid fire, and I'm not rapid firing at all. It's okay. Here. It's okay. Um, yeah, let's say to me that's probably a stay away, but okay. Okay. Uh let's go let's go Annie Coons plus sixteen hundred in the women's heptathlon. Ooh, okay. Yeah, good bet. I like that one. I agree. All right, let's see. Uh I know his name is Philip, but on this show we call him Flip. Flip and Gabrinson plus thirty five hundred in the fifteen hundred. I can't see it. I'd love it, but no, bad bet. <laughs> All right. I've got to mix it up a little bit here. Uh, I have a bet. Mac Jones is going to have more wins than Justin Fields in the upcoming NFL season. Whoa. Oh. Man, I mean, I'm a Bears fan. So I don't know if my opinion can really be okay on this. Um, so I'm going to say terrible bet, garbage bet. Get that out of here. Oh, man, I wish I came prepared with, with <laughs> alternate sports bets here. Um, Bridget Cosguy, minus 135 in the women's marathon. Good bet. Ajay Wilson, plus 1,100 in the women's 800 meters. Oh, I love Ridiculously it. good I bet. I, how, oh. how is that being allowed? I don't know. I think Mo is incredible, and she deserves to be the favorite. But coming into this year, Ajay Wilson was – in everyone's opinion, the best 800-meter run in the world. She's had a weird year, but give me a break. This is, this is ridiculous. So my phone, my phone just died and my list of bets went away, so I'm just going to riff and keep going on this topic. Well, Mike, hit, hit him with the last one. Hit him with the last I, one. I don't know. My, I just told you my phone died, so I don't even know what my next <laughs> one was going to be. But, if, yeah, if we had talked about this three or four months ago and I had told you Ajay Wilson at plus 1,100, I mean – take out the mortgage on your house. I mean, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like that, that is the most unbelievable thing. Steve, you hit him with the last line. Oh boy. I'm not prepared for this. We'll go. <laughs> we'll go. Um, I mean, Noah Lyles, my, I know we mentioned it, but do you think taking Noah Lyles minus uh, 190? Do you think that's a smart bet? I, I think Noah Lyles will win the 200, but man, I just don't see the value. I, I just don't, he, he scares me. He's had such an uneven year. He did win USA's, but kind of barely. And Benarix looks really good. I think Knighton's a little too young. DeGrasse will probably meddle. Um, but I'd rather lay the extra money on Benarix and just kind of hope, you know, something goes weird. All right. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for your insight. Go check out House of Run if you're not already listening to it. It's another great running podcast. Awesome. Thanks, guys.
Thanks again to Jason for coming on. It was a lot of fun getting to chat with him. Hopefully we can do some more stuff with him in the future. All right, boys, we are going to transition into our final segment of the day. We are going to go back to two for the money. You got to know when to hold. Know when to fold down, boys. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. I mean, we are in the thick of it. The Olympics are starting next week. More lines are posted. And, hey, this is what you're tuning in for right now. You're tuning in to get rich. You know, we just had Jason on talking gambling. We are going to talk about some of the lines that have been posted since our last episode. I'm really excited about some of the, some of the odds that have been posted. Does anybody have somewhere they want to start? I mean, Steve, we talked about it on the last episode. We were waiting for a couple of these lines to drop, so I think we should start right there. I think, uh, you know, I think you're rearing to get to the men's 800 and the men's long jump, so maybe we should just just go right there. All right, let's let's dive into the into the men's 800. And we posted a we Mike and I went live the day after our episode dropped because um, the line started posting, and I could not believe what was coming out. So Bryce Hopple plus 1800. So 18 to one odds for our guy, Bryce and take, take the Olympic trials out of it. Right. If I told you that Donovan Brazier wasn't racing in the Olympics and uh, Bryce Hopple was plus 1800, you wouldn't believe me. Okay. This guy in the past, three years has had one mediocre race and it was at the Olympic trials. The door is opened up for us to make some significant money on this because I believe our guy, Bryce Hopple has a legitimate shot to win the gold gold medal. In fact, I feel like, you know, you take the last race out of it. He should be the favorite, if not, you know, right behind the favorite, to win the gold medal. Isaiah, so, Isaiah Jewett has the same odds as Bryce. Which Isaiah, is nuts. Yeah. Hats off to Isaiah. We all came in singing his praises after the trials for the way he raced that. He went out like a madman, and he hung on, and it was awesome to watch this college kid go out and do that. But that was one race, and it was a weird race where Donovan Brazier wasn't where you expected Donovan to be, where Isaiah had gone out crazy fast like a, like a madman. You can't just like – you can't have a attention span of a goldfish and put those two at the same place. So I, I totally agree. The, the body of work is there for Hopple, and if there's nothing else – we know that Hopple just has a nose to the finish line. We know he's going to grind no matter what type of race it is, and he's going to have a nose to the finish line. Love it. I was going to say that at the end, Trent. You stole the words out of my mouth. Hopple's got that nose for the finish line, baby. And, and it's all about seeking value, right? So if you just if you just compare the guys from USA, like you said, you have Hopple and Jewett at the same exact odds at 18 to 1, which, again, seems wrong. It seems crazy. But then even looking at Clayton Murphy, who's eight to one, I mean, should Clayton Murphy really be that much better odds than Bryce Hopple? Listen, I get it. Clayton Murphy's had some huge races in his career and at the trials he threw down and he's the USA champ and mad respect for that. But at the end of the day, going into the trials, 
and going into this Olympics, I would always take Bryce Hopple over Clayton Murphy, especially as the stage gets bigger. I just, I, I'm not counting on him to, to make it happen and, and to be in contention for gold. And again, maybe I'm biased because I've had that take about Clayton Murphy for a long time, but just like value alone for Hopple to be 18 to one and Murphy to be eight to one, like a plus a thousand difference between the two of them just seems crazy to me. And I, and I will say having not having Donovan Brazier in this race throws these odds off. So it just makes it so In the strange. best possible way, though, Mike. It, it, no, yeah, for exactly. In the best possible way. But there's just, like, no true favorite in this field. I mean, like, what, what do you think if Brazier's in this race, What where he sits at? I mean, he's definitely minus odds, right? I mean, he's got to be oh, at least, yeah. like, minus, minus 175, minus 200. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'd say minus 200 is, is Yeah, that, that, I think that seems right. Which, is, again, it's still crazy that he's not in this event. I know. Damn, too bad. But, I mean, and, and if Brazier wasn't it and he wasn't injured, I would be thinking about putting a big bet on minus 175, minus 200 easy, right? And not, like you said, Mike, not having him in throws this whole race for a loop. And, like, like, like I'm looking at some of these names, and it's just like, like, do you think AROP is better than Hopple? That, that that was another like, one that I was going to bring like, up there too, but I was just kind of like focusing on the USA guys. But Marco Arop, like I'm certain that Bryce Hopple has beat up on Marco Arop many like regularly. Times. Yeah, like yeah. how is he? How is he that much better odds it than is Bryce? Significantly, Hopple? it's significantly worse odds than Hopple. Like like you're you're losing plus you're losing plus seven hundred going from Hopple to Arop. Like I just it doesn't make sense to me. So, and, and this is a race where you want to be on that, that underdog. Cause anyway, like without Brazier, I'm looking at, so Nigel Amos is plus 175. That's, that's your favorite. Then after that, you're getting odds right in the Clayton Murphy range. So, so they kind of like this, this Amos guy who I, I don't know enough about from Botswana, but I mean, the fact that I don't know enough about him shows that this race truly is up for grabs. So, uh, you, you, you want the a, odds like 18 to one you do a track you do you do a track and field podcast every, every week for, for two and a half years. You don't know who Amos is uh do i know who he is no <laughs> and that's the type of hard getting commentary you get here on peak really i love it um hey let's let's transition over to the women's 800 and we talked about it briefly at the end of our interview with jason but i see an opportunity for some significant value in the, the women's 800 and we got, we got Aji Wilson at plus eleven hundred. Like, yes, Mo is 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 running very very well, and um, she she definitely should be the favorite. But the difference in Mo to Wilson, you're giving up plus twelve hundred in that difference. Give me Wilson every day. So. I'm taking both in this. We talked I, I about it after the smart, trials. That's a smart strategy. Yeah. Mo, I mean, I think you said it pretty well, Steve, just like this is a generational talent, and she really seems to be just hitting her stride um, and, and just 
taken on like she just looks unbeatable based on the trials there i mean we know we know wilson's been on the big stage before so that experience definitely helps mo hasn't you know been in um where she's at right now is like a favorite in this this type of competition so i like mo i think i'm seeing her at like minus 140 to minus 165 ish and then you get the sprinkle on wilson so that if she hits that's a big win because i totally agree uh that's way too high odds for, for wilson um and after Mo, there's really no one else that has, uh, has I don't know, that's, that's really up like in Mo's, Mo's range for a favorite. So I like, I like both of them in this race. I mean, you could make the argument that you could sprinkle a little bit on all three Americans here, right? Like, because you have Raven Rogers at plus 2,500 as well, who, who has been in the mix. I mean, I don't love that as much as the Aji Wilson. Aji Wilson at plus 1,100 is just crazy. And this comes like... Yeah, I think you're set up great here where it's like you can choose the favorite knowing that we think Mo is going to win, but then both the Americans have long shot type odds. And going into the trials, I mean, I know I was under the impression that between Rogers, Wilson, and and Mo, like literally any three of them could have taken the win. So like, why is that any different now, right? Like take Mo as the favorite sprinkle a little bit on both the americans as the underdog i know it's like bias and those are those are our girls but it's it's legitimately not a bad strategy can't can't argue with you michaelton <laughs> what other what other races that were posted that you guys want to talk about oh man going through here like we we talked about this one in the interview too steve but um you know, we, we spent a lot of time on the um, Kipchoge at minus 200 in the marathon. I mean, we're at the point where Bridget Cosguy is just as dominant, if not more dominant, over the last year or two in the marathon than Kipchoge. And at minus 135, I mean, I, I get it. She's the favorite, and we've been taking a lot of favorites. And I know, Steve, you don't like taking the favorite in the, in the marathon, but who's been more dominant than Bridget Cosguy? So, nope. Mike, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I will not take Kipchoge um, in the marathon. And I'm waiting for the full men's field to be posted because I'm going to dive into that. And I'm really – I'm excited for that next week on next week's podcast to really break down all the odds on the men's marathon. Um, I will be betting on Bridget Cosguy. I promise you that. I think she has a significantly better chance to take home the gold than Kipchoge. And I know that's crazy to say. I know that's insane for, I, for me to I, say. I, I actually, I, we're at the point where I, I honestly don't know if it is crazy to say, though. She's been that good. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that, boys. Trent, that's I, a think, good point. I think it's boring to pick the favorites, but I just think in these two events, I'm probably betting on both of them. I'm, I'm probably just betting the lead dogs here. I will so not I know, be betting on Joe I promise you that. Again, and I feel bad to continue this trend of, like, either – we're taking the favorite or taking you at team USA, but I'm going to do it again here. I mean, well, let me just open this up. I mean, women's steeplechase, Emma Coburn is the three, you know, third best odds at three to one, but there's again, no minus odds, no true favorite. There's plus plus one seventy five, um, girl from Kenya or two, two Kenyans at plus plus one seventy five, plus 200. And then Emma Coburn is three to one odds right behind them. I mean, that's another spot where it's like, okay, do, do we, do we ride team USA there at three to one odds? 
Mike, we're, um, we're riding Team USA in most events here, so there's not, not that hard to convince me to hop on board with the Coburnauts. I think I think Patrice Chipko, uh, Chip Coetch. So you got Chip it. You Coetch. got it. You got it. Yeah, I I think she's pretty close to a lock in this. I will be betting her. I won't be betting a lot, but I will be betting her in the steeplechase. I think I think Emma Coburn. She took a spill in her last race, right? Uh, at a diamond league, uh, is that, is that in her head as she goes into the Olympics? I wish I, I I believe Coburn will walk away with a medal. Like I wish I could bet, I wish I could bet her to win a medal in that race. I mean, I we're probably not going to get those odds. Um, so I think she's going to do well in this race. I just think, I don't think she's going to win gold. Uh, I mean, sticking on the woman's side here. So listen, I know that in the women's 1500, we have a minus 400 favorite. It's hard to bet against a minus 400 favorite, but it's also hard to bet against Safan Hassan when Safan Hassan is a plus 350. And I know there's a chance she she's definitely doubling. She might be tripling. Who knows? But anytime Safan Hassan is plus 350, three and a half to one, that's something you got to consider, right? I mean, this this girl could win every race that she runs, no matter the distance, no matter who she's up against. Like, that's the kind of value you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, this is this is getting too out of hand. I'm gonna be putting too much money on this board because because everything you're saying to me makes sense to me right right now. Mike. I'm making a lot of sense over here. I'm just um, like scrolling through trying to we, find. We like, did we did mention it uh, towards in the in the. Uh, uh, down the home stretch with Jason, but Annie Coons plus sixteen hundred in the heptathlon. Um, she came out of nowhere to win the win the uh, the trials, and so you know it's kind of an underdog story. Um, and you know, not really, nobody really expected that from her. Um, but you look at her score, and her score places her amongst the best in the world. Her score would have won her the gold in 2016 and 2012, as we've said on previous podcasts, at plus 1,600. You better be betting Annie Coons. Like, I don't think that's a lock by any means, but you have just as good a shot of Annie Coons winning gold as you do Bryce Hopple, you know, some of these other kind of mid-range, you know, shots that we're talking about. Annie Coons is a very, very good shot to win gold, so you better be betting that. Not to mention that that's like a fun thing to bet just because of the length of the event and the moving pieces and kind of having to like follow along with so many different events. I do think that would be, that's an exciting, it's more than just, you know, the, the, whatever it is, two minutes or five minutes of excitement. It's literally like multiple days of excitement and engagement in that event. Yeah, you got to sprinkle on all these Americans that have a chance. If they're anywhere like over 10 to 1 odds, all you got to do is get one to hit and you're going to have a good day. All right, so what we're going to do here to wrap up two for the money, we're going to go around and we're going to list off, we're going to list off one lock, one one bet where we think that, you know, we're, we're planning on putting several units down and then we're going to list off four more of like our go-to bets. So each of us are going to have five go-to bets does anybody want to to kick us off here and you know Steve, are we saying that like uh we can't double down either like once i take a a, a bet it, oh it's we can double down border yeah. okay yeah so these are just like the five that you feel the most confident about 
put together your card, right? So like, you know, um, you know, mix in a couple, if you want to put some favorites in there, if you want to put some underdogs in there, you know, put together, if you're going to give your card to the people, what's your card of five picks going to be? Okay. All right. I'm ready. All right. You want to kick us off? You want me to kick it off? Okay. Go for it. All right. I'm doing it. I am taking in the 1500 at minus 165, a one Timothy Chariot from Kenya. Listen, this guy is the best in the business. He's had one bad race in the last like two or three years. I get it's the most recent race. I don't care. He's going to win. Hit that right now. Mike, to support your, your pick there, his odds are just getting worse. And when you're in a race with the Ningebritsen, where the whole world is probably, all of Europe at least, is betting on Ningebritsen, the fact that more money is coming in a chariot usually means that some smart people know uh, that he's gearing up for a big race. So I like that pick. Mike, why don't you keep going? Why don't you list off the card there? You want me to give the whole card? Oh, wow. Yeah, well, quickly, well, quickly. Yeah, I mean, we're... Okay. We're running out of time here. Let's just list off our okay. card. We, we, we talked about that in uh, the interview as well here, but I'm going with Bromel in the 100 meters. Right now I am have him at even odds, so I think that is a gigantic steal. Um, we've talked about this one a million times, and Steve, I know this is your, your, your pick of the Olympics, but of course I'm taking our guy Ryan Krauser, uh, let's see if I can find what I have. Met. Last time I saw it was like minus 300. Minus 300. And it's still at minus 300. Um, okay. And then I am going to, let me switch over to the woman's side here for my final two. Um, so this is one I've been talking about nonstop. I talked about in the interview. I talked about it a couple of episodes ago. And I feel like I've almost like hitched my wagon to this one that I, I need it to win. Uh, so I'm going to go with Dalia Muhammad at plus 185. I mean, I just think that value alone, it's one that I just, I feel good about. And like I said, I just kind of need it to win at this point. Uh, so I'm going with that one. And then my fifth one, Oh, man, I could go so many different ways with this, but I'm going to go with Bridget Cause guy at minus 135. That's my card. Mike, what's your lock? My lock was a uh, chariot. Okay. Trent, do you want to go or do you want me to go next? Uh, you go next, Steve. All right. I have made this uh, there. You know, I've been screaming this from the mountaintops. Ryan Krauser, while it's minus 300 odds, is the greatest lock of all time. He should be minus 10,000, right? So scrape, to his, scrape together as much money as you possibly can, put it on the, the minus, minus 300 odds, get one-third of that money profit. Ryan Krauser is the lock of the century at minus 300. Take that to the bank. So that's my first pick. My second pick, we just talked about it, Annie Coons. Annie Coons at plus 1,600. She has the score to win gold. She did it just a couple weeks ago at the trials. If she repeats, you're going to be taking that plus 1,600 to the bank. So Annie Coons is my second pick there. Um, and then I'm going to go back to, I know 
I know we talked about it with Jason. He's not super confident in this. Not a lot of people are, are confident in this. But Noah Lyles at minus 190, I'm, I'm locking it in. I'm locking it in. Give me Noah Lyles at minus 190. I, I, put, I put a good amount of money on him. I'm confident that Noah, he's the most electric guy in the sport. He's gonna, I'm going to be cashing tickets because of him. Uh, Bryce Hopple at plus 1,800 would be my number four pick there. So lock it in. Bryce Hopple minus 1,800. Um, good a shot as anybody to walk away with gold. And then, you know, I got I to gotta end with the, with the long shot that we started all this conversation around. If you're not betting Josh Kerr at plus 4,000, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, those odds, it, there's tremendous value there. You got to take advantage. This guy, similar to Hopple, similar to Andy Coons, he's got just as good a shot to win this gold medal as anybody. Put that bet in. Win 40 to 1 on it. Uh, Josh Kerr is my long shot pick. So, um, Krauser, uh, Coons, uh, uh, Lyles, Hopple, Kerr, take it to the bank. Let's get rich. Trent, what do you got? All right. A lot of good picks there. I don't want to repeat all of them, but you've, you've, you guys have definitely stole some of the, the P2E favorites. Krauser, we just talked about Cosguy with like both those. So I'll try to mix it up a little bit here. Uh, I'm going to start in the sprinting world, a world I know even less than the little I know about distance running. But Gabby Thomas in the 200. I mean, Massachusetts. I had no idea where she was from like Western Mass, or, or at least she grew up there. And she's the favorite in the 200 meters, but you can get her at like plus 165 or something like that. Again, ain't that getting American? It was a favorite. That's plus odds. I definitely like that as a pick. Um, it's going to be shook when he hears our interview with Jason. Oh, Jason, he's boy. He's not going to like that. He's not going to like that at all. Oh, boy. Maybe I'll hold off before I put that bet and, and lock that in. That's not my lock. That's not my lock. I got a weird one for you guys. And this was me, uh, you know, doing some random deep diving on the internet, learning again about another event I'm not that well educated about previously, but I got excited about. Men's 400 meter, Stephen Gardner from the Bahamas at plus 370. I believe he's got the second best odds behind the USA guy, Michael Norman, who I'm a big fan of and I'm obviously rooting on. And I'll probably do a little sprinkle on the favorite at Norman um, as well as, as putting a little bit of money here on the second guy. But Gardner is, is the, I think he's the reigning world champion. Uh, he's been doing it for a while and he always, or has been showing up recently in the big meets uh, and the guy's just so consistent. So from what I learned and what I read, I think Gardner should not have to be the favorite in that event. So I like Steven Gardner from the Bahamas in the 400 meters. I also got to get on my big long shot. I'll do the Josh Kerr in the 1500. I think that is the best of the, the long shots that we like the real long shots that we've, we've seen. 800 meters. I'm going Mo. I was uh, taken back by, by her performance Olympic trials. She just seems like she's is absolutely unbeatable right now. Um, it was a, uh, uh like a Donovan Brazier-esque performance before Donovan didn't have it, but she just looks unbeatable in 800. And that gives me one more. Uh, so I like, I like Safan Hassan in the 1500. Again, there's a weird mindset. If you're doing a 15, a five and the 10, 
there's something like something going on at the top of your brain. I love like just the confidence that comes across former Bowerman athletes. So you never know, or not former Bowerman, I'm sorry, formerly coached by Salazar. So you never know what other uh, extra juice she may have in the tank there. Not that I want to point fingers at anybody, but as a betting man and not going to hold that against her. So I like Safan Hassan there. If you want to give me a lock, it's tough to put a lock as an underdog, but I love the Steven Gardner guy. I'm telling you, I read all about him when I was supposed to be working wow. plus 350 in the 400. That's my lock. I love it. I love it. There we go, Trent. Okay. We got the locks in there. Uh, take that to the bank. Uh, I'm excited. I mean, this is, this is really happening. We're doing it. It's happening, happening soon. So let's kick off the bell app. Mike, right. what do you got the bell app? Mike, yeah, so, Mike, you got people on yeah, Mike. Mike, you went a little early there, bud. Yeah. Mike, Mike, what yeah. you got people on the bill at? Yep. Yep. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to uh, my sister in law, Erin, who, you know, I, uh, I had tickets to a Red Sox game this weekend, and I'm fairly certain that if I go to that Red Sox game, the Red Sox probably lose to the Yankees four to nothing, but things changed. Had, had to give up my ticket. She took it and, you know, she brought in this, her good luck charm, I guess. And somehow five runs get scored in the eighth inning. And it's the best Red Sox win in the last three to four years. And it's the the DVD moment, right? It's the turning point for the Red Sox. So I just want to thank her for, you know, giving the Red Sox momentum they need into the trade deadline. They're about to get Max Scherzer and uh, Anthony Rizzo, and we're about to win the World Series. I know we've been talking a lot of Olympics, but I just wanted to make sure that everyone remembered that the Red Sox are about to win the World Series. Trent, what do you got people on the bell app? Last week we talked about some of the odds we were finding on one of my old – uh, guilty pleasures, Bavada, the sketchy offshore gambling site. And so I, I was convinced to kind of revisit my account. Now they, they charge high credit card fees. However, there's no fee if you, if you uh, get some gambling money with cryptocurrency. So thanks to the crypto.com UFC sponsorship, I now have a crypto.com account. I'm getting into that world. I'm trying to buy some Bitcoin cash. Uh, so if, if anyone out there is well-versed in this stuff, I don't know what I'm doing, but let me know. It's mainly a way for me to start gambling again on the sketchy website. Uh, but who knows, guys? I might just be a total crypto fiend from now on. Uh-oh. Trent Paperhands is back. Mike, you stole my you stole my bell app. The Red Sox are on their way to uh, to win a another World Series. If only somebody had you know the the foresight to uh, put money on the Red Sox plus two thousand to win League East before the season started. I also bet them. I bet the line seventy nine and a half wins. I took the over on that at the beginning of the season, just to put in perspective of where people thought they were going to be heading into this season. But, you know, I, I locked that bet in and hopefully I'm going to be cashing tickets at the end of the baseball season. And uh, I also placed a small bet on them to win the World Series. So if that pays out, that hits, that's going to be a nice little payday too. So anyways, good things are happening. 
We got we got the Olympics is coming. Track and field. Our our bets are gonna be hitting. We're gonna be cashing tickets. We're gonna be making money. The time is finally here. I am so pumped. Mike, Trent, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I don't want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. I don't